This is Bonjour Chai, the blue screen of death edition. I'm Avi Fallingwold in Montreal, and I'm here with Melissa Lansman in Toronto and Alana Zakon in Vancouver. We are your frozen chosen. On today's episode, we talk about the uptick in anti-Semitism in Canada, as well as the rise of the Jewish left. Are they all related? Keep listening and find out. So how are you guys doing? It's been quite a week, huh? Yeah. It's been quite a... I'm, I'm uh, you know, uh, other than the thing that we're going to talk about, I'm, uh, I think we're feeling a, 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 re, a renormalization of things. COVID-wise. COVID-wise, yeah, yeah. Like, life-wise. Yeah. Are you uh, you're heading out? Like, what is work looking like for you guys these days? Well, I'll, I'll tell you uh, for for our listeners, um, I'm I'm about to become this candidate, so I'm like living in two worlds where I'm still doing kind of almost two two full time jobs uh, in a home office. I'm very lucky to to have that, but uh, I leave my house a little more often right now. Nice. <laughs> Nowhere to go. That's but... good. <laughs> the great outdoors. <laughs> What about you, Alana? Honestly, life hasn't changed that much because the film industry has been open for most of the pandemic. But um, I'm mostly working from home also. I, I started a writing business during COVID, writing for people in my industry. So writing IMDb bios and cover letters and that kind of thing. So I've been working on that. Auditions are all self-tape. So I'm not really doing much outside work. Hopefully I'll book something again soon. But I'm mostly home going for my, you know, daily outdoor dose. That's about it. How about you, Avi? Avi, you leaving the house? I I am leaving the house. I got to drop the kids off at school in the morning. I got to pick go. them up. Um, I uh, I try to make sure to get out at least once a day. Um, but there, I mean, it's interesting because all the stores are open. Um, but that's it. So like no store, like no bars, no restaurants, everything's open for takeout, but that's it. And uh, our curfew is still for another couple of days at 930. Oh, really? Um, we had a really uh, Monday, you know, May 2-4 weekend. We, we have this little Vespa club. Have I ever told you guys about the Vespa group? I've heard of the Vespa <laughs> we, group. The Vespa, we, there's a couple of neighbors that are friends of ours, um, and we all have Vespas. Um, and we all, pre-pandemic, what we used to do is we'd go out and we'd like put our wives on the back and they'd all be sitting riding and we, the three of us would go and like terrorize their neighborhood <laughs> and go get a drink right. and just hang out and do our thing. But it was fun because you get to like ride together and we get six people on three Vespas and you go to a bar and you park them all together. It was a, it was a cool moment. It was always a thing that we would do like all the time. That was our little crew. And this week we got takeout and we just got on the Vespas. We went to the Lachine Canal, which is a nice little area. Went to the Atwater Market. We found a picnic bench and we just sat and ate takeout and drank a couple of bottles of wine. And nice. it felt like old times, even though it was outdoors. And uh, we had to be home by 9.30, but it life is getting back to normal. Yeah, our restaurants are back open for indoor dining as of yesterday. Um, so that's been interesting, but it, it's funny cause they changed the rules. You can have five people in your house, but everyone's like, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't, some people don't have their vaccine yet. So <laughs> it's not really changing much in that respect, but going to be able to work in coffee shops is a great addition to my life. Yeah. Uh, everybody's getting vaccinated here. It's that summer. It's going to yeah. be a vaccination summer. Yeah. All right. Um, 
Listen, before we get to the real juicy stuff, let us hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Atelier Lou Bijouterie in Westmount, Quebec. Atelier Lou specializes in custom-designed jewelry as well as many lines, including Anzi, Deacon & Francis, Dana Bronfman, and many more. If you're looking to upgrade that engagement ring or pop the question, come talk to Eric and design the ring of your dreams. Atelier Lou is offering a promo code for all Bonjour High listeners using BON18 at checkout for 10% off your order at atelierlou.com. So there's been a sharp rise in reports of anti-Semitism and anti-Semitic acts in Canada over the past several weeks. Some feel like uh, there's individuals have become emboldened in the face of the recent violence in Israel to express themselves in a hateful manner, both online and in person. What's going on here? Are we really at an inflection point? Is this something that's going to go away soon? Um, I'd like to start with you, Alana. I saw recently that the Koffler Center for the Arts in Toronto was recently the target of a call to artists not to participate in any activities there until they divest themselves of all Zionist funding. How is this, well, not specifically the Koffler Center, but in general, these calls to art organizations, how is this affecting you? Um, in their uh, call, I saw a line there, and maybe you can explain to us also yeah. what Zionist art washing oh, even God. means. <laughs> I don't know that I can. I have ideas, but I don't know that I can. I have to say, um, after the ceasefire happened, my whole system just kind of slowed down. And I was like, okay, things are not perfect, but maybe it will stop. And I mean, in my neighborhood where I live in Vancouver, you don't really feel it. It's not like other places, Montreal or Toronto, for example, that have much more dominant presence of, of Jewish neighborhoods or Jewish life around. Everyone's kind of spread out here. So I was kind of feeling calmer. And then when you sent me the, the picture uh, on Instagram from the Koffler Center, my anxiety spiked. Uh, it was not okay. I was super, super tense yesterday um, in preparing for this and, and doing some research because it really just hits exactly what I'm most afraid of about going back into the world. Because as soon as COVID starts getting better and we go back in, I'm going to be working in theaters. I'm going to be working in art centers. And these are the things that I'm afraid of because it goes back to what we talked about um, over the last few episodes about the conflation of anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism. And I think, first off, it's so wrong in so many ways for them to associate a giant organization that's Jewish as like something that's wrong and saying like, oh, you're a Jewish art center, but you're funded by a big Jewish organization that says they support Israel. So therefore this is bad. And anyone who's associated with this is bad and you need to stop. Like that's one of the, it, it's being funded by one of the main Jewish organizations. It's not like some anti-Arab hate group. <laughs> and I think that's like a huge misconception that really encompasses the problem um, and is just going to increase a, my feeling as a Jew, as a, as a Jewish artist of unsafety in these spaces, because it kind of feels like they're pushing people to only be on one side and saying like, you need to accept anti-Zionists in your space, but will you accept Zionists in your space in general, aside from the Koffler Center? So I, I don't know, there's just so many things. I, I felt really angry, to be honest, seeing that post. Um, yeah, I can go on and on. What are your feelings about it? Well. I, I mean, I've got to, I'm, I'm just going to jump in here. I, I, you know, I think you characterize this as, as, as right from the beginning. This feels different. Um, and I think people are, you know, the, the community at large, uh, you know, is seeing something that, you know, I think that has always been there, but frankly, far more pronounced. And I think that, 
you know, you can't, you, you can't really separate this from the conflict that just, uh, you know, ensued. And I say conflict in the most generous terms, but I think when you have, when you don't have governments unequivocally, you know, um, uh, condemning terrorism and when you don't have school boards unequivocally condemning terrorism and when you don't have uh, the mainstream media unequivocally, um, um, you know, condemning terrorism, I think you enable this rise. Um, and I think that that's, yeah. you know, that's a big part of, uh, of what we're seeing. And I think for the first time uh, in, in Canada, I think we're feeling what, uh, what was being felt in, in Europe over the last decade, or frankly, 15 years, uh, yeah. because it, it looks and it feels different this time because it is different. Two questions then. Is, first of all, is condemning something enough? Like, I know that the Quebec National Assembly condemned you know, all of this uh, hate uh, recently, and CJ came out and wonderful, this is great that we're doing it. Like, th that, that to me is step one. There needs to be so many things beyond just a oh, we condemn hate. We're not talking about the condemnation of uh, of hate because I think you're seeing I think you've seen governments across the board say we you know we condemn anti-Semitism, we condemn is uh, Islamophobia, we condemn we condemn we condemn all of these uh, uh, hatreds. But I'm talking about before the you know before this stuff ensued, before there was a rise in in incidents of anti-Semitism. I think you saw a lot of fence sitting from a lot of organizations on what happened in Israel. Uh, you know, a week ago before that ceasefire. And I think you saw, you know, both sides need to come to, uh, uh, to, to, to terms and, uh, and, and look for peace. And that gave permission for what, you know, I think people call anti-Zionism, which is, you know, it is anti-Semitism. There's no two ways about it. You're not going to convince me, although I think Avi uh, and Alana, you might try on uh, on this episode. Um, but that's <laughs> no. <laughs> but we'll that's, I think you might be wrong know, on that matter. I think it starts from. I think it starts from uh, from that, and we didn't see a clear condemnation. We didn't see Canada come down on uh, on the right side of this conflict, and I think that's what you're seeing: an eruption in the streets where 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 governments, school boards, media are saying this is okay. So what's the step beyond condemnation? I mean, I, I think there's two parts to it. I recognize that authority figures, government figures are coming forward and saying, let's be pro-peace. And I, and I wish that more individuals had that mindset, to be very honest, because what I'm noticing, and I don't know about you, is a lot of people completely turning a blind eye, which is terrifying, because this is how so many bad things have happened to the Jewish people over the course of history. I'm not seeing people even recognize the anti-Semitic attacks who aren't Jewish at all. All the articles that I found looking for Canadian spikes in anti-Semitism was almost all of them are written by Jews. So I think there's a difference to say, I criticize um, occupation or I criticize Netanyahu. Like that's different than just lumping everything together and not also acknowledging Hamas as a terrorist organization. I've been hearing things about people referring to them as freedom fighters. Like, how can you even, like, how can you even say that? But this is something that, you know, blue screens on social media are not going to fix, right? It's not about just saying, hi, look, there's anti-Semitism, right? We have to be going out there and doing something much more than that. I feel like totally. there's work work to be done. A hundred percent. 
We can't. We cannot give permission, though. We cannot give permission to. I don't to, disagree. To people, to people who say that you know settler colonialism uh, is a condemnation of Zionism, there's literally nowhere else I, on earth that the Jews can go. I and don't so disagree. You, I don't disagree you either. You can't take that seriously as anti. I don't disagree. But but that is step one of of forty five. But we haven't even reached step one. We, yeah. we we haven't reached that. We we've seen we've seen politicians and we've seen school boards and we've seen media say, you know what, all kinds of hate is uh, is bad. But you know what's not so bad? Uh, I have a theory. Hate, this. hate against Jews. That's not right, so that's, bad. That's what I'm that, hearing. That's what I'm hearing too. Because I feel like we keep getting left out. You know, I talked to a bunch of people, and it's like even for myself, like I don't want to see any discrimination. I'm not anti all Palestinian people, I'm definitely anti Hamas, I'm definitely anti all the bombings that happened. But I think one of the steps that we need to take, or not we, other people need to take, I think we're fine, you know, there's only so much emotional labor that we can take on to explain our existence to other people. I think other people need to start acknowledging that the language that they're using around what's going on in the Middle East is coming from a Western lens and you cannot adopt that mentality when talking about a completely different part of the world, like using the word colonialist to describe Israeli citizens is just so inaccurate and I'm not seeing any recognition on 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 most non-Jews parts from what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing of doing that work of trying to understand the full situation the actual history taking 20-30 minutes out of their day to do some research and change their language and realize also that you know at the end of the day look at how what happened in the Middle East changed um, the spike of anti-Semitism in Canada. And that's not okay. And the fact that a lot of people are just ignoring it and they're like, oh, all you Jews are just like these people who are trying to take over this land over there. So therefore it's okay if there are rocks thrown at you. And they're, they're just like ignoring it. That's what, I, that's what I'm feeling. I, yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot of issues to unpack here. And I think that most people don't have the capacity in their day-to-day -day lives to deal with a complex issue even simply. And so when they hear, right, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to just, I'm not justifying this. I'm just, let's be honest. Most people can't ask themselves, I want to deep dive into the Arab-Israeli conflict. I want to deep dive into the Uyghurs. I want to deep dive into First Nations in Canada and why they're not getting water or anything that were, was promised to them uh, by a certain prime minister who I shall not name, right? But I don't have time for all this stuff. I want to, you know, I want to know what I need to know. I want to watch the hockey game. I want to, so you know, be posting about it. Get myself a good meal. They shouldn't. You're right. But and but like people post about stuff all the time. Like this is just what happens. This is and this is the nature of where we're at. So right. like you know, this is a very complicated thing. But I wanna I wanna take a step back and bring this back to the idea of anti-Semitism in Canada, right? And I have this theory that we have been crying wolf for way too long. Right. And uh, I'll give you uh, oh, Melissa's giving me the eyes. <laughs> what are you about yeah, to if say? You can only you can only <laughs> see what I'm what I'm feeling. Look, I. When you think anti-Semitism in Canada, what do you think? As an organization, meaning not a white power organization, but one that's devoted to combating anti-Semitism. Right. You you I, I immediately think of B'nai B'rith. Right. They're a good stand in for an organization that is devoted on their website to combating racism and anti-Semitism. And as an organization, I went on their website. I was like, OK, what are they what are we talking about? Because if they are about, con you know, being against all forms of racism, all forms of anti-Semitism. Right. I went I looked at their calls to action. 
um, that go back years and years that are on their website. There is one total that is not dealing with anti-Semitism, and that's the call for uh, justice for the Uyghurs. I found their policy positions all about anti-Semitism. I opened their press room. There was one statement on the Uyghurs, there's one on anti-Asian hate, and there's one on their alliance with the Canadian Black Chamber of Commerce, and there's a single post condemning anti-Black racism that came in the week uh, post uh, like uh, the, the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd. Right. So this is an organization that says we are about racism and anti-Semitism, so saying cl clearly claiming that they are two different things, and all they do is talk about anti-Semitism. And I think that they push it in everybody's faces for too long in, in things that people see as bad but relatively minor when somebody in Montreal takes their finger and puts on like goes to a snow-covered car and draws a you know a swastika and then all of a sudden B'nai B'rith swoops down and turns this into a media frenzy and it happens time and time and time and time again when all of a sudden real serious uptick in anti-semitism comes up right people are really blasé about it they're like not this again I don't believe you because this is the same as what it was last time and and the time before and the time before and I looked at it and it was bad, but let's be honest, it's not such a big deal. Let, That's my theory. Look, let, let's stop pretending that this is not an issue. Thank God for organizations. It is an issue. Like, uh, like B'nai B'rith, because frankly, nobody is, you know, nobody is going to speak for us if it's not, uh, if it's not B'nai B'rith. Our, you know, our, 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 let's call it mainstream Jewish organizations who have been working on, uh, you know, making politicians more pro-Israel, making sports writers pro-Israel. Like, where are they? It seems like it's been a failure because when this stuff happens, nobody has spoken for us. And I think we need to stop pretending that this is anything but anti-Semitism when there are protests. I'm not, in I'm not denying that it's anti-Semitism. There are I'm just saying that the community at large, Canada at large, sees Jews as saying anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism. We never call out Islamophobia. We never call out anti-Black hate. We never call out anti-Asian hate. This stuff is happening all over the place, right? And all we care about is anti-Semitism. I think we've done nothing but call out uh, Islamophobia and anti-Black uh, uh, hatred. I, I, I think I think it. most I organizations in our in our Jewish community. I don't see it from B'nai I, You might not see it from B'nai B'rith, but I, I think there is a wide swath of, uh, uh, of, of Jews that were on board with every movement pro LGBT yeah. rights, uh, uh, you I know, agree. pro BLM, uh, for for whatever reason. And when it comes to hatred against us, people turn a blind eye, and you don't forget that. Yeah, and I don't even think to me like what you described of someone writing on like a window with from the snow, like that is scary to me. And I think all of it should be taken seriously. Benny Brith is, exists to log every single instance of anti-Semitism in Canada. And thank God they do. Yes, I, I've, we all agree that in the past few weeks, we have a serious, real issue on our hands. I'm saying that the past 5, 10, 20 years right, has not done us any favors as a Jewish community because all we seem to call out is minor acts of anti-Semitism. But it's gone and we up don't so show much. As a, as a wide, as a bold face within the community to say that we are against any sort of discrimination. We should be the first ones on the front lines of every one of those fights. And we are not um, proving ourselves publicly by saying that this is who we are. Uh, I, you know, I, I have to agree with you. I think, I think we've been on the right side of the Armenian you genocide. You have to disagree with Sorry, me. I, well, I look, I have to disagree. I always have to disagree with you. 
but I, I think that if we're not if we're not saying what needs to be said, if we're not saying why are there people driving around with flags in Jewish neighborhoods against uh, you know against Israel when there's no consulate and there's no Israeli businesses, and we pretend that that's you know we pretend that we're okay with that as anti-Zionism, it's not. Uh, and I think this moves into the next conversation about where the left of the community is. It is not anti-Zionism. It is anti-Semitism. Um, and and I think there is a, a real realization that the community has to uh, has to get up and do something. Well, let's hold that for our next talk, Kyle. But uh, Alana, you were trying to throw some stats out there. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm I'm reading this directly. The B'nai B'rith Canada 2020 audit of anti-Semitic incidents reported a record 2,610 cases of anti-Semitism last year, up 18.3% from 2019. This translates to roughly 217 incidents per month, 50 incidents per week, and 7 anti-Semitic incidents per day, 44% of which were violent. In a statement released on May 16th of this year, B'nai B'rith Canada said the number of anti-Semitic assaults recorded so far in May of 2021 easily surpasses, and that's a quote, the total for all of 2020. That's just like a couple weeks yeah, of incidents. I, I, I didn't deny that. How many incidents of Islamophobia are there in Canada? What happens when the Quebec government, when the Quebec government passes laws that are blatantly Islamophobic? Sure. And that's also, right, what do we do? That's also we say wrong. we're going to be quiet because it doesn't really affect the Jews. I don't know if every Jew feels that way. I don't know if we can rely on just so many Jews feel that way. Not the people that I talk to. I guess it de it depends. It depends on what circles you're in. And I mean, I, I know we're we're in like very very different fields, but like. And that's why we're all here. To, to there we go. But um, I mean, and and for myself, and I I think I've talked about this in the past. It puts me in such an awkward position because I do consider myself a progressive, um, but with everything that's been going on, I'm like I don't know if I can really call myself like a full blown leftist because it's now associated with so many things that really make me viscerally disgusted um, on, on this particular incident. And um, I, I saw this quote from from this uh, article that I read where I pulled the stats from Global News where it said, once a person starts making specific attacks on Jewish individuals or blaming the Jewish people as a whole for what Israel is doing, then you've crossed the line and now you're attacking Jews and it's gone beyond Israel. And, and I, I think disagree. that really just puts, let's, you know, all my feelings into a sentence. Let's close this off by asking every one of us, um, what's a key action, like a real action point that somebody can do listening to this um, that will move past step one? A Jewish person or a non-Jewish person? Somebody listening to us. So a Jewish a... individual, what's something that you can move, for, how can you move the ball just a little bit further to say that this is what I can do to actively combat anti-Semitism beyond just, you know, like I said, posting a blue screen or saying anti-Semitism is bad? Well, I think first off, having conversations with people in your life, that's what I've been doing. I have completely taken mm -hmm. myself away from social media. I have some accounts that are like somewhat active. I keep deactivating them. I'm not checking my feed. And for me, it's like if I have a friend who has come forward to me and told me about something that either I disagree with or they're willing to learn, that's my opportunity to say, hey, do you want to learn about the actual facts of the situation? And I'm not coming from an anti-Arab perspective at all. I'm very, very sympathetic to a lot of the innocent lives, to, to all the innocent lives that have been lost in all of this. I'm not you know, trying to make any political statement against that. But I think a lot of people are just misinformed. And so I think one thing we can do is to educate people on what we know and what a lot of people don't. But face to face, I don't really see any purpose in starting to spew online, trying to get because everyone it's all like 
out of control on social media, I think. It's just not even worth trying to make a stand on it. Melissa, what's your step? Look, I... I, I think there are lots of uh, lots of realizations that I think we, we need to come to. One, I think, is this has been going on on university campuses, on Marxist university campuses, for a long time, and it's sort of it, it's bleeding into into the mainstream. Uh, and we've you know we've we've turned away from uh, you know from educating Jewish students about you know the facts there in. Uh, uh, you know, by by turning our attention to either you know shared values or tikkun olam or peace for peace, and that that just hasn't worked. And I think that it's time for you know uh, for Jews to say we have the you know we have the right to protect ourselves. Uh, I think we need to uh, we need to to have real conversations with authorities and police forces, educating them about what anti-Semitism is, because I think there's a lot of people right now that feel that they are not protected. Um, yep. on uh, you know in their own communities uh, and that's what's happening and I think this is a this is a, a this is where we say okay it's time to take matters in our own hands um, so if I get this right Alana you think that it's about opening doors and having conversations and Melissa it's about closing the walls off and saying going to cops and saying this is anti-semitism we uh, need to separate ourselves we need better protection and security for I don't think I don't think they're contradicting. Contradict. I'm just asking. I agree that's with it. Melissa. Also. Um, for, um, <laughs> well, we 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 come to this from from, uh, from different angles of the um, spectrum. And and totally. But I still I, I think we need protection and have conversations. I don't think those two things cancel each other out. If you want to hear my um, my step forward, you have to wait for our nachos of the week. All right. All right. One of the key takeaways from the past month, for me at least, has been the normalization of voices on the left within the Jewish community. These are a growing number of individuals who want to express themselves as Zionists, um, a strong Zionist, but want to recognize that there are at least two sides to the debate, and it's time that we start listening to others. So, Melissa, are voices on the left no longer fringe? And if so, can the establishment Jewish organizations really speak on behalf of the majority of the Jewish community? Look, I think the establishment Jewish organizations have uh, have frankly been moving to that uh, fringe, and I think that that's part of the problem. Um, you know, I'll give you an example, Avi. I, I went for uh, for a walk for with uh, with one of the big donors to the in, in the Toronto Jewish community, uh, and frankly, in the Canadian Jewish community, he's got uh, he's got four kids uh, that all sort of raised, you know raised some concern with uh, the way that Israel was behaving during the 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 conflict, and I I actually think that that's a that's a that's a big problem and a failure in our system, because uh, I, I think we're I think we're saying that it's okay to uh, to apologize and you know I I know that I know that most of our listeners uh, know that I come from this from a different perspective but I think it's a it's a failure on our part uh, to 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 educate uh, you know about. Uh, about Zionism um, and about uh, you know about what that means and how it meshes into uh, the pernicious anti-Semitism and the rise of the you know the anti-Semitism that uh, that we're seeing, I I'm not sure that there is a growing voice on uh, on, on on the left. I think that it's uh, a bigger a bigger takeaway for me that I think it's a failure of our community um, to uh, uh, to build on uh, on a Zionism that we're proud of. I don't see how those things need to be mutually exclusive. It's like what we talked about with Nikki Nash in a bunch of weeks ago in our other episode, hard to say, I'm sorry. Um, you can still be a Zionist and believe that Jews need a safe homeland in Israel and still criticize actions and still recognize that there are innocent lives being lost, regardless 
of who they are, regardless of whether on our side or the other side. I just think that it's it's not so black and white. And I think kind of like what you said, Avi, before, it's important for us in, in the theme of tikkun olam, which is what we're supposed to be doing. That's literally our, our duty as Jews, if you believe in that to acknowledge the hurt on on all sides. This is going to be the first time and the last time ever that we hear the words tikkun olam in this podcast. No, I hate the words tikkun olam. You brought it up. I'm just kidding. saying. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't like those words. <laughs> we'll learn about that. That's going to become a thing that's going to show up again and again and again. Say tikkun olam, as you were saying. Oh, I, I was just saying, I, I, I think it's important for us to not be blind. And, and I think that's... Because you know what? At the end of the day, like I went to Jewish school my entire childhood elementary, high school, camp, everything. And I have a very, very strong Zionism instilled in my being, which comes out intensely defensively when these types of things occur. And so I don't feel like that compromises anything. I think it's a fault, if I can be so bold, on the part of the Jewish community for ignoring that there is another side, because then we're just instigating what they're doing to us. And then it creates more of a rift. And I think if we can both acknowledge, okay, like you feel pain, I feel pain equally. That's how we can move forward. Tikkun olam literally means repairing the world. It doesn't mean repairing a certain slice of Israel, right? It, it's about fig- no. That's yeah, exactly no, my that, point. That's what I'm talking is about. that we have a, if we feel if right. we believe as social people mm, we have I a responsibility to, to to make the world a better place. We don't have a responsibility to say this is yeah. our land. We have this responsibility to this land, and everybody else can just go like you know fuck off. I'm sorry for saying that, but like that's I'm not right. sorry. Like that's an important way to think about this. We cannot do that anymore. And honestly, I think um, and this is really uh, to you, Melissa. I think we lose credibility. As a community, we lose credibility as Zionists, right, when we avoid any critique of Israel. When you see major Jewish organizations refuse to say anything negative because it's Hasbara, because we have to advocate, we are an advocacy organization, that is what fuels people to say, I no longer believe any of these major Jewish organizations because because they've lost my respect, because they no longer are willing to acknowledge that there is something wrong going on. Or, or anything wrong can possibly You know happen. what? I, I don't see how you can see this issue, at least in, you know, it, two weeks ago when you're when there is indiscriminate rocket fire by a terrorist I organization. Out what is wrong? I am not calling out what is wrong here. I'm not pointing out anything of what Israel has done is wrong. But there is no way that we can ever acknowledge that Israel is purely right in all that they do. But the, the, right? And I'm not going to point out what are the things. It's the same way that we spoke about leadership weeks ago and saying, uh, I don't know what Doug Ford, wh- whether Doug Ford made the right position, you know, whether made, made the right decisions, but I know that he made the wrong decisions. I don't know what the mistakes are, right? Because it's too soon to figure this out, right? We need a long lens of history sometimes, but there is no way that Israel is 100% right in everything that is going but on But when right we, now. when we side with, with, when we side with the group of people who don't see this as a criticism of Israel and see this as criticism of Jews and the annihilation of Jews and the annihilation of the homeland of the Jews, then we do ourselves a disservice because there is nobody that's going to come to to your side uh, when uh, when you need them most. And right now is the time where you need them most. I, I feel like I'm somewhere in between both of you because I, I, I see what you're both saying and I somewhat agree and somewhat disagree. Uh, on both sides. (laughs) It's, It's so vastly important for us to be able to show some shred of fallibility. It gets dangerous, I think, for Jews, and I can only speak about Jews in this particular point, um, when we don't defend our right to be in the land. I think that's the part where publicly I 
feel a little bit unsafe when Jews are proclaiming like, I totally resonate with the other side and, and I'm anti-Israel and I'm this. That's when I'm like, okay, this is where it gets scary because it's giving non-Jewish people permission to say, oh, oh, you see this Jew over here, they're anti-Israeli government or they're anti-this, so therefore I can continue. And then it gets into that blurry line, like Melissa was saying, of, of anti-Semitism and ignoring our right to be in the land. But at the same time, I, I, I'm aware and I'm not an expert, so I really, I, I, I can't claim to know everything. But from my understanding, you know, Palestinian people do also have origins within the land. So it's not yes. like we were only the ones there and we yes. need to acknowledge that. And I yes. think that's the part, you know, we did advocate for a two-state solution. And yes. my feeling, and I could be wrong, is that most Jews wanted that. I, I, and I think the way that the other people in this scenario, like non-Jewish people are seeing it is like, we never wanted that. And we only, we want to be there. We're quote unquote, ethnically cleansing. I think that's the part that's very problematic, but you can have both. You can be, yes. you know, sympathetic and also preserve our right to be on the land. Unfortunately, as soon as you say that in public nowadays, you are considered a radical leftist. Right, which is why I'm not speaking out outside from this podcast. Look, you have you have the, the left of the community lining up uh, at some of the protests that we've seen, at least in my hometown of Toronto, with people in the streets with Hamas flags. So what are you supposed to I'm think? not talking yeah. about that. I'm talking about the rise of the moderate left. No, no, I'm honest. The, the leftists that, you know, that When that you have major uh, thinkers writing articles like how Israel lost this war, right? Daniel Hartman just wrote that one. There are many, many, there are dozens of articles that are coming out from real centrist, real thoughtful thinkers that are saying we need to acknowledge, right, that there are people there that we cannot just ignore. When we go and ignore everything that happens in Gaza, we are essentially saying, when we say we have the right to defend ourselves, we are essentially saying that from the river to sea, we want it all to be Israel. Not Gaza, not Palestine, we want it all to be Israel. And that is just as bad. And the people, the thoughtful people are not saying that Hamas is wonderful. The thoughtful people are not saying that Israel doesn't have a right to defend itself. The thoughtful people are saying we need to be aware, right, yeah. that there are millions of people whose lives are miserable. And if they were in any other part of the world, we would say this is a humanitarian crisis. And yet the, the right-wing Israeli Zionists do not even want to acknowledge this. The establishment Jewish communities do not even want to acknowledge that these people exist. And, they, and the government of Israel does not even want to acknowledge that these people exist. And I know that, yes, people give money to Hamas, and Hamas is holding on to this money, and they're not giving it back to people. But you know what? I don't care. At the end of the day, there are millions of people that I want to acknowledge their humanity. I want to acknowledge their ties to the land. And it has nothing to do with my Zionism, which is very strong, and I want a place for myself to live eventually. Well, there's, there's no room for Jewish educators that are Anglos in, in Israel. There's too many of them. Let's forget about that. But maybe I'm going to open up my, my like cocktail bar run by a rabbi in Israel. There's plenty of space for that, I'm sure. But like, I want a place for that. I definitely want that. But I'm not going to deny right, that, that Mahmoud Abbas and that, uh, that the, you know, Hezbollah in Lebanon and that Hamas are doing a tremendous disservice to all of their people by just being, you know, totally disregarding that. And oh, I have a human responsibility. No 
There is no question that Hamas is doing that uh, a disservice to to the population. Jews no are doing a disservice. The, the the Iranian government, who is funding all of this, is not uh, uh, you know is not uh, doing a disservice to to uh, to the Palestinian people. There are plenty in the Arab world that are doing a disservice to the Palestinian people. But apologizing for that as uh, as Jews, I'm not, it's not apologizing. I'm not apologizing. Yeah. It's acknowledging. I'm not apologizing. I'm acknowledging that there's a, there's yeah, a problem. I completely there. agree with with what you said, Abby. And the government of Israel has to acknowledge it. And the government of Israel has actually has a responsibility to some extent, even because if their uh, living partners uh, by, uh, in, in terms of Hamas is not doing anything good for these people, then they should be stepping in. They can't go and say, this is not my problem. You took them. You took them to live in this land. And that's it. Because, because what, whether or not they are legally right or legally wrong, humanitarianly, well, yeah. that's not a word. <laughs> From a humanitarian perspective, the Jewish community is seriously losing credibility day in and day out. And that is fueling the rise of anti-Semitism is when people are saying, I don't trust these Jews anymore because they are not willing to acknowledge how terrible the lives of millions of people are. Look, I, I'm going to I'm going to continue to disagree with you. I think that uh, I won't speak on behalf of the Israeli government. I will never speak. But I think their their goal right now is to protect uh, their their citizens. And I think from what we should expect from our governments, our school boards, our media, uh, is to cover this with an ounce of honesty, which I don't think is happening, which is actually the reason that's, uh, that this anti-Semitism right here in Canada is being fueled. Do you think that it's an ounce of honesty for them to be aware of this humanitarian crisis? I think they're very much aware of this uh, humanitarian so, crisis. But, but, but at what the happens end of the is, day, unfortunately, when there is rockets being fired into Tel Aviv, uh, their goal is to protect it's not so black uh, and white. The, the population. I think that's a problem. It's really not so black and white because, I don't know, there's something about the wording that you used just in, the, in your last sentence, Avi, that like slightly rubbed rub me the wrong way of Please. like getting to the, like it seemed like a little bit close to like um, allowing anti-Semitism and kind of like permissing it. That's that part. No, I, I, I don't I, want I, to I, allow that. I, I don't. I'm right. just, I'm pointing out what I think might be right. one of be the, the roots cause. of it. Yeah. Right? No, no, no. Is, I, don't is, dis I don't disagree <laughs> with you on that. I just, I, I think that's why it's so convoluted is, is it's getting out of, I don't know, it, it's, people are not seeing this the way that we are, and we're not seeing it the way they are, but when it kind of veers away from the Middle East and just becomes blatant anti-Semitism, yes. there's literally no justification yes. for that in any way. That goes but back I do to our first conversation. You. Yeah. But when we go and we say, and I'm not talking about the violent protests, I condemn violent protests of all, on all sides. I don't want Jews carrying knives into protests either. I think that's horrible and disgusting. But when we go to peaceful protests and say you don't deserve, that is anti, you know, that is anti-Semitism when you peacefully protest about your right to exist as a Palestinian in Palestine, right? When we take that away, when we take away their right to write an op-ed. Who's taking, who's taking that away? Every time we always protest. We say peaceful protests in Montreal and Westmount Square. They did turn violent a little bit at the end by, by people on the edge, but people tried to stop the protest from happening even to begin with. When people write op Beds, right for the pro-Palestinian cause, right? All of a sudden, camera and memory and all of these organizations are fact-checking them down to the to the detail to make sure, right, that what they are saying is not anti-Israel, is not this, it's not that. And I'm like, these people have a right. When you take away their right to even speak to say that I have a right to exist is not is considered anti-Semitism, sure. then, then then you have a problem because then all of a sudden that person gets radicalized. That person's gonna go and say, well, if I can't even talk, I might as well throw a rock. No, but the problem is, is there's so many, you see pictures of these signs where people had swastikas on them and saying Hitler was right. 
and and that is that is that's different than a peaceful that is that's horrible. different than a peaceful protest. But we don't even I, allow I, them the peaceful protests. Sure, but but are they peaceful? Because <laughs> I haven't seen any peaceful for, ones at for all. For years, there were peaceful protests. No, no, no. This past this past like, like, this week. is the spike in anti-Semitism. For years, right. there were so many peaceful protests, and okay, we are but, like, but that's diff that's in the past. We're talking about now. Yes, I, I'm saying what I'm trying to say is that when we deny their right for years to have peaceful protests and to have op-eds, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not allowing that. I'm not justifying it. But I'm saying maybe that's why things are turning violent because we don't even allow, we don't even justify their ability to have a discussion about Palestine being existing, right, as being something. And I'm not trying to say that I'm a radical lefty. I don't want violence. I don't want this, but I want people to have a chance to have a dialogue. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I completely agree with you, but I don't see that happening. And, and the problem is, I think, on both sides, everyone's gotten so heated over all of this, and it's been going on for so many decades that now everyone is just, like, acting from their gut and their emotions. Everyone's so sensitive right now. So it's impossible to have a peaceful conversation, I think, with both sides about about any of yep. this because everyone's too triggered. What were you going to say, Melissa? I just, I, you know, I, I, I can't see, I don't see what you're seeing. I don't see anybody saying you can't have a protest here. But when you're having a, you know, when you're having demonstrations in the heart of the Jewish community, particularly like it happened in, uh, in Toronto on an eve of a Jewish holiday where there is nothing related to Israel, that is not anti-Zionism. That is not fighting for your own self-determination. That is anti-Jewish and that is anti-Jew hatred. Fine, but, but the... And and I think that, like, I want to move on at this point. I think that we need to, I mean, do you guys have anything else to say? <laughs> Before I close off the conversation unilaterally, because I'm a nice guy and I like to hear what other people have to oh! say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, I think that any time we deny a group's right to exist, to even say that Palestine deserves you know, your recognition, that the Palestinian people deserve your recognition, independent of anything that has to do with Hamas. There, there is legitimate space for critique of Israel. And what I'm seeing, right, and what I'm really seeing, and go and look, there are literally dozens and dozens of articles, and this is no longer in the minority. This is no longer in the extreme. There are rabbis that are speaking from pulpits that are saying that years ago, I may not have wanted to speak about this, but now I, I am not denying Zionism, but I'm acknowledging that injustice is happening. Yes, and I think I would like to see more acknowledgement of the Jewish people's history and origins in the land. It's it's a yes and, absolutely. Yeah, it's that a yes is and. Your, that is yeah. your improv background coming in. I don't think there, there is go. a I don't think there is a a, a single um, government in the world that doesn't want to see uh, a two state uh, solution. But I think I think you need a partner for peace, and it's very clear that there is no partnership right now. So at uh, at some point, we've got to stop pretending, call a spade he, a spade, and protect ourselves. He, not at the expense of uh, of a Palestinian life, not at the expense of me saying that that person is not a person. Nobody's saying that. Actually, a lot of people are saying that. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? Because, and, and that's the thing that's not being said here, is that there is just as much extreme rightism, right? And by the, by the right wing on the Jewish community, there are people that are anti-Arab, there are people that are anti-Islam yeah. completely that say that there is, that we want to eradicate them. That all. is oh, not the on. majority How, position. I've, uh, and I will never say. I've heard it. I've heard it, it, it though. I've heard it, it a lot. The majority position. Yeah. The majority the position want to see uh, a peaceful settlement in the in, in, in the Middle East and uh, and a and, and a place outside of Israel that doesn't have a rise in anti-Semitism propagated by what's going on on the other I side think, of the earth. I think that the majority of people say that publicly, but I think privately, a lot more people, 
express a lot of anti-Arab and anti-Islamic sentiment, um, much more than you see written publicly. Um, and I think that that starts to seep out. And I think that that starts to get out there. And, and hate begets hate, right? What does Yoda say? You're, you're the pop um, culture Vespa riding uh, rabbi here. <laughs> on that note, I feel like we can go on and on about yeah, this. Yeah, we could, we could. Um, but look, I think that um, I am actually, for one, proud to see these voices. I think that it is going to change the dialogue, and I'd like to see these voices encouraged more and more. Um, I don't know where you feel with them, Melissa, um, but I really love your yes and, Alana. Thank That's you. really where it's at. It's really about recognizing one and the other. We like to highlight rabbinic voices from across the nation as they share a bit of wisdom with us. Today we are hearing from Rabbi Louis Sachs. He's the Associate Rabbi Beth Tikva in Toronto. If you like what you hear, you can follow him on Instagram at Rabbi Sachs. That is not Sachs as in Jonathan Sachs. He's told me this. He's had these issues. It's Rabbi S-A-C-H-S. Follow him. He's a fun guy. He's interesting. Let's hear what he has to say. It's always hard to pick a topic to teach on when you have the whole realm of the ability to choose really anything. So I thought I'd go way back to the beginning, to Bereshit. One of my favorite teachings comes from Rashi and Bereshit. He notes that when God asks the earth to bring forth fruit trees that make fruit, the earth actually does something slightly different. In the Hebrew, the text is Eitz Puri Oseh Puri, and in the end, the earth brings forth Eitz Oseh Puri. It's only a slight difference, one I would never pick up with on my own. I'm not the grammarian that Rashi is. But there's a beautiful teaching, I think, from that. Because even though the earth didn't do as God commanded, even though things didn't turn out the way God had wanted and God had planned, the next thing the Torah tells us is that God saw that it was good. Everything was tov. I think that's such an important lesson for us today and something for us to remember. Because so often things don't go as we plan. And it doesn't mean that everything's bad. There can still be good in it. We see it on the macro level with everything happening in the world today. And it's also true on the micro level in our lives. A failed relationship, a missed opportunity at work, all of these things, there can be good that we can find in them. And that's what it means to be created in the image of God, is that it's up to us when things don't go as planned to still look at the good. Right. Let's move on to our Nachas of the Week, where we'd like to highlight something which has come across our radar and give us some Nachas as Jewish Canadians. Melissa, what's been giving you Nachas? Well, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a short thing related to, you know, to what we would be talking about uh, in the last uh, little bit. And that's, you know, I think we're finally seeing um, a community that comes together. We've seen so many rallies across, uh, across the, you know, the country. We saw, you know, safe... Uh, safe rallies here that didn't descend into into violence, whether it's cars, whether it's you know a real show of support for uh, for for the land of Israel, the people of Israel, uh, and the Jewish communities coming together. Uh, it made me so happy as somebody who grew up and lives in this community to uh, to see people unafraid and uh, and come out of their shells. So that's that's what's given me, and I, I hope to see I hope to see more of it. That's the truth. Alana. What's your nachas? My nachas has nothing to do with anything Jewish. Um, I am getting my first vaccine in a couple weeks, which is really exciting because I feel like in Vancouver we've been waiting forever. Uh, I've never been more excited to get a shot in my life. 
you have no, you have no, I'm sorry, but like you can go eat in restaurants. I don't care that you don't have a vaccine. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a, it's a wonderful mazel tov. I have to say that it's one of the That's few moments news. that really, I, I felt really emotional when I got my first vaccine. Um, I got it way back in March um, because I was part of a pilot project. It was really a beautiful thing. Um, mazel tov, kol hakavot to you. Really enjoy that moment. Uh, make a blessing, have a moment, and, and, and go for it. So, uh, and take a selfie. And take a selfie. Oh, no. I'm off social <laughs> media, so probably not. <laughs> take it anyways for your kids. There you Whenever, go. Whenever, yeah. Memento. So uh, Monday, three days ago, I get this text uh, from my good friend Gideon. Uh, and we've been taught, we always talk where we're around, do we, we this and that. He knows my ideas. He says, oh, what do you think of taking your experience in interfaith dialogue one step further and using it combined with your love of food to establish Middle East peace? Okay. Uh, we sponsor a falafel and hummus contest between Jews and Arabs. Have Graham, who's my friend, Reverend Graham Singh, who's an Anglican minister, put together a panel of interfaith judges and create a model for peaceful dialogue through food. Cool. And, oh, my God, I took this idea and I ran with it. And I think it's going to happen. Um, it hasn't happened yet. Um, so that's why I'm doing this as my nachas. Um, my nachas is a call to people in Montreal. If this interests you, um, the plan is at some point over the summer in the next month or two, hopefully we will have a hummus contest and a falafel contest amongst the best falafel makers in the city, Jewish, Arab, um, Israeli, Palestinian, Lebanese. We want people to come together over this. Uh, I'm calling it the Chickpea Accords, right? I am. I have decided that nobody can argue with your mouth full, although it's not really true because Jews and Arabs can easily argue with their mouth full. Um, our tagline is going to be, um, they tried to kill us, we all lost, let's eat. I'm excited. I'm excited um, for this. I think we should do a live yes. episode from, uh, from there. That is an amazing idea. We absolutely should do that. Um, so if you are interested in this idea and you are in Montreal and you're interested in helping out or brainstorming on this a little bit further, we have the rough sketches of this out. We have a lot of logistics in place, but we're curious to hear your thoughts and your ideas. Um, message me. Uh, I'm on Instagram at avtherav. Um, and uh, I'd love to hear from you and let me know if you're interested in volunteering and helping out for this thing that we're doing, the Chickpea Accords. Um, and that's my nachas of the week. I guess it'll be a real nachas when it actually happens, but the idea alone was enough to give me hope. Um, and this to me is where we have to move forward. It's coming together, it's talking, it's sharing the things that we actually share together. That is my nachas of the week. Um, and a quick last bit, um, another way for you um, to reach us before uh, we go away. Um, we have been, we've had a massive spike in listenership over the past couple of weeks. And we have, we really thank you all for that. Uh, we, I've been hearing from people overseas that they've been listening to the podcast. Uh, I'm curious if you are not in Canada. I mean, if you're in Canada, I would love to hear, you know, especially if you're not in Montreal or Toronto, that you're listening to us and that this is great. Reach out to me again at the same point at Avdarav on Instagram. That's A-V-T-H-E-R-A-V. We'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but if you are overseas, if you are not in Canada, if you are in America, if you are in South America, if if you're in Europe, Asia, wherever you are, and you're Canadian and you're listening to this, um, let us know. Drop me a line. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and see how far our reach actually is. Um, we are so far really proud of what we're doing um, in this work. Yeah. What do you guys think? Big thumbs this up from good, no? Melissa. Um, and uh, we hope to be um, 
doing more of this. We're, we're moving weekly. I don't know if you've noticed. We really liked Alana. Your, your piece last week was great. We're going to be hopefully doing mini episodes in between larger ones uh, for a little while. Um, and that's about it. Thank you for listening to Bonjour Chai for Thursday, May 27th. Our producer is Michael Freeman. Technical production is by Andre Goulet. Our music is by SoCalled. We are a project of the Jewish Living Lab and are distributed by the CJN Podcast Network. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a comment and a rating on the platform of your choice. It really does help our ratings go up, our reach uh, go further. Um, Let us know what you think about our discussions so far on the CJN Lounge on Facebook. I'm Avi Feingold. I'm Melissa Lansman. And I'm Ilana Zakon. 